listeners of the Nerd Cup podcast, and welcome back for another episode of your favourite weekly podcast. Or at least, hopefully, hopefully in the top like we'll go top ten. We'll say top ten podcast every week. Uh, so normally at this point in the proceedings, we do a long introduction for each of the characters, but I feel like you already know these two gentlemen. So I'm going to do a very quick introduction. Christian, say hello. Hey. Oh, Johnny, sorry, say hello. Say hello. Sorry, hello. I, I was fine. I think it worked. Johnny, say hello. 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 So I'm going to use most of my time this week because I've I basically haven't done any work today. I've just been scouring the internet trying to find the the best. You can shake your head at what you want to be, Johnny, but it's been well used. Today. Um, I've been scouring the internet trying to find the best nerdy jokes I can possibly get my hands on because I'm not actually that funny. Pause for incoming validation. <laughs> It's true. Yeah, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> <laughs> Not what I was expecting. Um, however, I'm bringing it to stealing other people's jokes and passing them off my, as my own. So, are you ready for these jokes? Yeah. Go on then. Okay. What do you call it when Batman skips church? What do you call it? Christian Bale. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Not even I. Not even I would write that joke. <laughs> Well, that was the best one, so they're all going to go downhill from here. Um, after achieving universal peace, the Guardians of the Galaxy settled down and opened the floor tile business. What do they call it? Guardians of the... Hexagonal tiles, I don't know. <laughs> no. Groot... Groot's grouting? <laughs> is, I am... I am grout. I am grout, oh dear. Makes me laughing. These this is comedy and geekdom. This is amazing. This is right, okay. geek, this I, is I wonder why. Life. I wonder why James Gunn left that out of the script. <laughs> okay, it's well, a cr- Christmas that's... crackers level of geek joke, I think. But he, he unites everyone because they're all bad. So that, anyway, let's carry on. True, true. Where is the best place to shop for lightsabers? Woolworths. No. Any advance on Woolworths, Christian? Huh? Any advance on Woolworths? Uh, the Darth Maul. Yes! Good ooh, work. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Boom. Good work. One Wait, point to Christian on this is that, game. Is that, in, points. is that in Kent? <laughs> okay, why does Hawkeye like to wear... Sorry, what does Hawkeye like to wear with his suits? Um... Bow tie. Congratulations, one one all oh, so far. Yeah. I feel like this is more of a quiz than a than a okay, joke the, thing. The first the first person who can say the the answer to this this joke wins. Okay. okay. Joker says the Batman. Someone said you sound more like an owl than a bat. What? <laughs> Joker says the Batman. <laughs> You sound more. But, someone said you sound more like an owl than a bat. Who you? Who you? Who? No. It's, it's just. It's just who. Who? It's just who. <laughs> Do you get it, Johnny? Like owls <laughs> say <laughs> owls hoot. They don't go who. Yes. They go who. Oh, you're rubbish. Okay, so the, the, the expectation was at this at this point you'd be rolling around the floor, both of you, absolutely pissing yourself. But that hasn't happened. Mm. So, move on to my slightly higher brow of comedy. I'll, 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 um, yeah, don't be offended if I if I leave this out by new set. Um, okay, well the, these ones might be for a different reason, John. You might want to keep these wrapped okay. up in your brain. So these are some of the supposedly funny 
nerdy pickup lines <laughs> I could find. <laughs> Christian looks alarmed at this point. <laughs> Christian's <laughs> probably used most of them. <laughs> yeah, well, if you, you get you get five points if you use any of these. I'd say they get slightly more kind of randy as time goes on. There's only four of them. So I know not more to use such chat up lines there. I knew, I knew ahead of time not to use them. Okay. Mm. Is your name Forenzi because you're the centaur of my universe? Bad. Can I just say, imagine, it, imagine if you had to explain that joke as well. That would make it <laughs> even worse, I think, if you had to yeah. explain that. I feel like if you had like, to explain it, then you probably shouldn't be going out with that person, you know? Yeah, you've probably right. used it in the wrong context. <laughs> this one's slightly darker. Mm -hmm. so. Good. Hey, Dark. girl. When you're not around, I feel like Bruce Wayne's parents. Dead. Is, is, is that even a pick up line? Or is, it just, <laughs> is that just a, a call for help, I feel? <laughs> It's, yeah, it's, well, now we're stepping up the randiness. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Call the Samaritans, whoever wrote that. Exactly. I see you have a weapon. I'm assuming this is a woman saying this. I see you have a weapon made of the hardest material on earth. And you also have that shield. <laughs> is that for the men or the women? Good. I think that one's a woman saying that one. But I suppose it could go both ways, you know? I don't judge. And the final one, which is just the... Uh, the, the classiest and the most in-depth and like sophisticated one is how about I put my binks in your jar jar? Christian's definitely used that before. He's going to go around Storrington yeah. later. I mean, not it doesn't even make sense, but it's just hilarious. Yeah. Okay. Right. So I'm, sh I'm sure there's loads there that like could also be used with that exactly the same format there. Oh yeah, yeah, probably. So um, I want to put my OB in your Kenobi. I want to put my Kwai in your Jin. <laughs> I want to put my Mace in your Windu. <laughs> Christian's writing a book of this now. He's going to be a published author. Star Wars based chat up lie. My Mace <laughs> in your Windu sounds like it then badly. Definitely. Right, so you feel all fired up with comedy now. You, yes, thank you. Bellies are hurting from the laughter. Yeah. And uh, you ready to go? Um, so, what have we been consuming this week, Johnny? Let's kick us off. I have been watching Loki, which I believe we've all watched the first episode oh. of Loki. Mm -hmm. So, what do we all think? One word. Yeah, let's give one word review in the voice of Owen Wilson. Christian, you go first. Now, wow, that's two words, isn't it? Bugger. Was you saying narwhal? Narwhal. <laughs> narwhal. Wowzer. 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 I'll go with that. Wowzer. Wowzer. Slightly, slightly. slightly so wait, your first answer was not wow, and now it's wowzer. It kind so of, it's kind of like a facetious wow. It's kind of not quite a, an in all wow. A satirical wow. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew, Andrew, what's your word? Hang on, I need to think of mine. You go first, Johnny. Um... Okay, I can't do. That sounds like a okay. Yard, okay. That okay. just sounds like a posh British person. Yeah, a yar. Don't forget the American accent, or. Okay, like it's hard to call. You have to do like long. Okay. Mouth okay. 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 I'll go for. All right. <laughs> this is surreal now. <laughs> it's very surreal, isn't it? Wow. Um, 
Yeah, no, I I, I was baffled the entire time. <laughs> I still don't know what to think of it. I, I think it's one of those shows that I can't even give it any sort of judgment because it, it only it's only judgeable in the context of where it then goes. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I don't was, know what you guys thought whether you could actually decide if you liked it or not, but... It set up, it set up interesting, you know, stage for what could come, but not a whole lot happens, and so you just, we get a little bit of the greatest hits of Loki, and that's about... <laughs> well, that's a, yeah, literally, yeah. But that's a... He, he goes... Goes to the, was it, TV, TVA? Is that what it's called? Gets yeah. shown a few clips. He tries to escape. I won't go too much into the details, but yeah, it's, it's that's, not that's not, much it. not a whole lot. Spoilers, question. That's um. I, I yeah. I think it was. Whereas, Wonder Vision was different, and it made sense in the context of Wonder Vision in terms of the way they're doing it. This just feels different for the sake of being different. Hmm. I I say unless unless there's a kind of. Unless it makes sense later why it's all in that weird style and a bit like you don't really know what's going on and those weird like 1950s animation things and they kind of feel like Fallout almost. Kind of, yeah, I was, yeah, yeah, very Fallout. Fallout cross with the Flintstones. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm glad that they. I was worried going and into a bit of Jetsons. And a bit of the Jetsons. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That retro futuristic kind of aesthetic. But I was worried going into that. I, should, I shouldn't have doubted them. I should have given them credit where credit's due that they were going to maybe use the Loki we ended up with in you know, Arachnorok and Infinity War and just kind of carry on similar characters from there. But I'm glad they, you know, properly. It's the Loki, certainly to begin with, it's the Loki that we remember from Avengers Assemble. The kind of the one who still has delusions of godhood and grandeur and <clears throat> still thinks himself above everyone else. But. But did he by the end of the episode? I so the end of the episode no, left me intrigued, left me wanting more. So I'm that's in it's did did well there. If I'm saying that's good. Yeah, I think I think it's yeah. Only time will tell, and we'll have to make sure that we've put in a six weeks time or so. We'll have to put in a review. a show to look at back at all the MCU TV shows this year and have a, have a review of them. I need to binge the other two because I haven't watched them all. Yeah, but you basically know what happens just in the memes you send, Christian. So. <laughs> I think you got it. You got it covered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good. So, so the topic of this evening's cod po- podcast. Codpast. It's actually a codpast. Codpast. Um, we took. We rate is, our favourite fish. Exactly. Is comedy in geekdom, which is a nice wide scope, what we can talk about, because then we can talk about everything that is vaguely funny in the world of geekdom. So it could get messy. So, Johnny, why don't you start us off with something you'd like to talk about in the world of funny geekdom. As the resident comedian, you begin. As the resident yeah. comedian, that, that's a lot of pressure on me. Um, <laughs> As a resident so, chanter. So I, I, I thought about this in a very scattergun way. Anyone who knows me knows I've got quite a scattergun mind. So I, I sort of listed loads of things. And I sort of ended up organising it sort of semi-chronologically. And I guess Ghostbusters really struck struck me because obviously it's a huge cult film, but also it seems to me, and, and I'm sure people will correct me, I'm sure people will say I'm completely wrong and there was things before, but it feels to yeah. me like the first sort of mainstream t- mainstream sort of blend of comedy and sci-fi. 
and certainly the, the first one to do it successfully and the first one to have roaring commercial success with it and become a cult classic with it mm-hmm. um, and actually I rewatched Ghostbusters quite recently and it is a great blend of comedy and, and sci-fi because it's not obviously it, never, it doesn't take itself too seriously and maybe in like sort of watching it now the effects are a bit silly but it's not it's sort of part of it if that makes sense they're sort of like they kind of know that um, and they're making it so it's just yeah a really just enjoyable thing which I guess is what a lot of us want when we watch you know a sci- you know a sci-fi film it's, it's you have some obviously films that are darker and that but there's also room for films that are a little bit more fun to watch you like a bit um, of levity in the gloom yeah, exactly. And there is some like pretty there is some dark moments in Ghostbusters, don't get me wrong. Um I sound very weird saying that, but there are. Um but it's also, you know, got Bill Murray in it who and this is like peak Bill Murray, like mid mid eighties Bill Murray is like Bill Murray at the top of his game. Um and this is probably like the massive commercial break for Bill Murray, certainly the the biggest film he did at that time. Um, what year was it? And eighty three or eighty four. I think it's eighty three. I don't have the, my phone with me to check. 84. 1984. 84. So yes, mm-hmm. 1984. Um, and in some ways it's quite ahead of its time because sort of from that point onwards you get quite a lot of those sort of uh, films that try and blend sort of comedy and, and sci-fi elements. Um, and so I think really in some ways it's so it didn't just, didn't just blend the com- comedy and sci-fi in the storyline, but in terms of the actors, like you say, Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd are kind of the peak of their career, or certainly one of the first peaks of their career. At the same time, bringing in um, Sigourney Weaver, who was just a few years before, was fresh off the success, major success that of Alien, which is definitely not comedy, but it's most definitely sci-fi. So kind of blending the comedy actors with a sci-fi actress... Definitely. And also, I think it came at a time where, like, you know, think about Star Wars, etc., where generally films tend to have, like, seri- sci-fi films tend to have, like, serious actors in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, to it obviously takes balls to go, well, I'm going to do a sci-fi film and I'm going to have these guys from Saturday Night Live who were in Saturday Night Live to be my main stars that's pretty it's quite ballsy for the time and I think there's a lot of things I know we hear this about it, like every film it seems to me but there was a lot of people saying oh my god this is going to be awful no one's ever going to watch it it's going to be a complete car crash and yeah it's become a huge cult classic you know less said about the sequel that. the better yeah exactly <laughs> the second sequel or the reboot should we say yeah exactly and there's another reboot coming now, actually the fact that it keeps being rebooted and like just it's testament to the fact that they keep trying to find that winning formula as well from the Again, original. I think that's the case with so many things. I truly could keep trying to recreate that winning formula of an earlier film, not just in comedy, but just in everything. You always see, hear reboots, but there's just sometimes when the stars align to create something that goes to become a classic, and you just can't recreate that no matter how hard you try. How do you how hard do you force it? Yeah, it's been a long time since I watched Ghostbusters, though. But it is a classic. Yeah, and, and part of the kind of the definition of it being things when they're classics are that they are in some form original. So the the idea of trying to recreate something like that that's 
like already basically been done or you're going to be stealing mm -hmm. a large portion of something from it is kind of bizarre isn't it and then trying to expect it to do it as well it feels like gone gone are the times when or certainly they're not as prevalent nowadays when big companies are willing to take a risk on a new ip a new property they're more willing to try and reboot something old something classic even though 99% of the time it fails so they just don't I'd seem say to want to take the risk especially when it comes to humor things like i think i think i think that comedy is so is so divisive these days that mm. people kind of big companies are less likely to try and go out there and do something a bit different because if they rely on something that was done already done 20 years ago and they can kind of they can kind of pitch the comedy in that era and it doesn't necessarily have to be funny now but it'll be kind of nostalgically funny if that makes sense you all, i also feel like you see this across like comedy i think sitcoms as well as i think because tv is more and more more and more competitive now um companies don't want to take any risks so what you often get is that they give it to like the same old writers or they get comedians to write sitcoms or they reboot a series that they or a sitcom that was that you know stopped airing 30 years ago and the main actors died right porridge being the, the main example mm. from a british perspective rather than just saying okay well there's this really new exciting writer who wants to write this really cool edgy sitcom and give him the thing I was like, oh no, that's a that's a risk because they they know if they reboot Porridge or they reboot Ghostbusters or any of these kind of properties, there's always like if you think about the international market or the domestic markets, you're going to get a slightly you know even if it's rubbish, you're going to get a slightly big bump just from the name, mm -hmm. and they're so and they're so risk averse that they would rather have that than take a risk on something from an unknown person that's or slightly more risky in their mind. But it's, it's annoying because it completely curtails creative development and comedic development. And that's why I feel like there are far less comedy, good comedy films than there were. And actually the 80s is a sort of golden time for comedy films because film companies were, were taking risks. And mm -hmm. obviously with that, you've got a lot of terrible comedy films in the 80s. But <laughs> if, if they weren't, film companies weren't making those risks, you wouldn't have, you know, think films like Ghostbusters... Um, and all the other, you know, awesome comedies and and coming of age films in, of the eighties. Then you get um, directors who are renowned for comedy films who turn their back on it recently because it's quite divisive and a bit of a iffy territory sometimes now, depending on what comedy you're into, and ends up creating something like Joker. So it can pay yeah. off by turning turning your back on uh, your comedy films, although. I've never seen the uh, Hangover 2 and 3, but uh, I did enjoy the first Hangover, so you must have some skill as yeah. a Go and watch Hangover 3. Never <laughs> watch Hangover 3. <laughs> Shall we move along from um, kind of one-off one-shots in like, the 80s and move on to maybe like more trends in kind of more modern series of films? So I'm thinking of the example of one of the best uses of comedy I can think of in a modern title is in Guardians of the Galaxy in the MCU, um, which I think pitches the comedy. And it's really the first kind of, I'd say, like fully 
comedic film in the MCU, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like some of the earlier films, like definitely Iron Man, has has elements of comedy in there and has kind of quick... The first Avengers film as well. One-liners. Yeah, yeah. But but as in, like, I feel like Guardians takes... That takes that, that makes level. That, yeah, the, the comedy is running throughout the whole concept of it. That, that mm-hmm. kind of underpins the story developments and the character development yeah. to a huge degree. Um, you could describe, you could you could list Guardians as a comedy film, whereas you couldn't list Iron Man or, or Avengers as a comedy film. They are action films or superhero films with one-liners and quips in them. Yeah. Well, I suppose they set the template, or certainly feel like Avengers kind of set a little bit of a template in terms of the um, dynamic between the characters. I don't know how much inspiration James Gunn then took from that, that those relationships and those kind of the dialogue and the conversations but yeah he definitely turned it up to the max and it becomes interwoven through the whole plot and like you say it is a it is a comedy film like <laughs> the intro of him dancing through those ruins is just it has yeah. you grinning as soon as you uh, as soon as the film kicks off well actually sorry that's, that's the second bit and the first bit with his uh, mum so that's probably not quite so funny but um, yeah. Suddenly, uh, I think you've hit you've hit a point there, Christian. That, that that the comedy works well because it's it kind of is is mirrored or countered by those really serious moments. moments and really yeah, serious, yeah. yeah. Um, and that that's why the I think if it was just just comedy didn't have any sort of like weight to it, mm-hmm. it wouldn't work. But because it has those like you you still feel that they're actually like doing something mm-hmm. and and have doing something of of meaning. Um, the, yeah, the, co- the comedy important. the comedy in Guardians flows from the plot mm-hmm. it comes naturally it comes from well written characters and from the plot often with films this is something we'll probably get into shortly it feels like jokes are inserted so there's a plot and there's dialogue and then oh let's have a joke here let's have mm-hmm. a joke here I never for one minute in either Guardians film to be fair feel that James Gunn does that it feels like it is it just comes naturally. I think it's also worth noting with James Gunn as a writer that he has a com- slight comedy background as well because he wrote the Scooby Doo film, um, which obviously is the greatest it? film ever made. <laughs> Wasn't the greatest film ever made, but um, though, it did have Rowan A- though it did have Rowan Atkinson in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but so he does have like a background, some background in sort of comedy, comedy writing. Although, and the, and and Super, the film he did with uh, Rain Wilson. Um, before it is sort of a dark comedy so even sort of different styles of comedy as well so I think he's it just seems to be an expert at, at weaving comedy into a film without it being inserted that it comes naturally from plot and dialogue and from characters mm-hmm. rather than it just being sort of slightly artificially inserted there's a delicate balancing act because he um, like you say he has the emotional moments and those comedic moments and I feel like in trying to emulate that, some later MCU films on, and films beyond the MCU feel the need to put a joke in where it doesn't belong, and they might subsequently undercut or undermine an emotional scene or moment because they have, feel like they have to. They need some levity in this serious scene. They can't let the audience get too kind of like emotional or upset. They need to kind of inject a little joke here just to just to bounce back again. But sometimes that's it's fine that you, that's not necessary and it can damage what you're trying to achieve if you're trying to 
forge connection with the characters so it's, it's a very delicate balancing act and James Gunn definitely particularly in the first one I'm not as big a fan as the, of the second one but the first one yeah definitely manages that that, that um, mix of the two very well and that's a, very, that's a skill in itself I, I think for me that the, the test of what, whether that works or not is whether if you think what that character is saying the kind of funny bit in inverse commas any character could say then it's not it's not funny hmm. or it's not it's not necessary for that scene whereas if it's something that only that character could say and only makes sense for them to say then that's that completely it's a good way to look at that it makes sense um, and uh, and christian that's a really great point Andrew, because christian you'll know from from writing often when you do dialogue you you often ask yourself that question or even not even just dialogue it's actions would this person say this thing would this person do this thing and like I was saying, in Guardians, there is never a point where that comes into my head. And it ha- it's happened quite consistently with other nerdy films since mm-hmm. um, that have had these sort of quips. And obviously there's a big example that we might get to shortly. But well, should, we, should we get on to later MCU films? I feel like that's where we need to go to. So yeah. before, before we t- jump too far ahead towards kind of the real later ones I, I want to kind of maybe just talk about maybe the kind of immediate impacts in this few films afterwards so i'm thinking about when we get to like thor mm. um whether we think that the change in direction that thor takes is as a result of the kind of success of guardians or do we think it was kind of that's naturally the way they want to do thor anyway do you think it works with thor what, what are your thoughts on that i don't think I don't think Taika Waititi gets the free reign he gets on Thor Ragnarok. Tone-wise, without Guardians happening. I think, and it's and it's not just the MCU, it happens in DC as well, in the way that Suicide Squad was chopped and changed um, pretty quickly after uh, Suicide... Sorry, quite quickly after Guardians came out. Which obviously is kind of ironic now that James Gunn is making the, the soft reboot. Um... So, so yeah and so I feel like MCU quickly said okay great we can now oh look this, this comedy film you know was great so now we can push really far a lot more into the comedy so there's this filmmaker that's really good at the comedy stuff let's have him you know give him as much freedom as we want with, with Thor Ragnarok I think the yeah. other thing sorry Christian I think the other thing with the Thor example is is that I'd say a slight asterisk I'd say is, is that Thor, Thor 2 Thor The Dark World was also quite an unpopular film by MCU standards. Um, so it perhaps also was in their thinking that, because obviously that was a bit more of a serious film, and perhaps there was also a thinking that, well, this, that hasn't worked. Let's go in this other direction and make it campy and colourful and and comedic. Um, and commercially, Agreed. it was very successful mm. with... So I was just thinking about. Seems they didn't, they didn't immediately kind of, give, comedy directors a free reign. So I don't know. You might be able to, um, fill me in a bit better. But, um, Edgar Wright wasn't was uh, originally slated to direct Ant Man, and he's obviously, well known, particularly well, in Britain at the time for uh, the Cornetto trilogy, which are, brilliant comedy films absolutely brilliant kind of blending action and comedy so well another another um, director who just has, a, has an eye for that that blend 
Um, it's worth but, pointing out what those films are because not everyone necessarily. No, Shaun of the Dead, uh, Hot Fuzz, which is the best one, and um, The World's End, which is I've, probably people's least I've, least favorite. I've got a feeling though that that Christian that falling out was more about plot than tone. Mm-hmm. Um, in the in the similar way that the original Doctor Strange, the the guy directed Doctor Strange didn't do the second one because he couldn't go. He wasn't allowed to go in the direction he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Plot-wise, I I think they were I yeah I think we're like Taika Waititi. I think it's it's like you got to get to plot, you got to get to point B, but you can do what, all your comedy stuff, all the comedy stuff you want between point well, you've got A and to do point that. B. Yeah. Okay. And I rec- and from what I've read with Edgar Wright was that well I don't want to go to point B. I want to go to my point B. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Would have been interesting to see uh, Edgar Wright. Um, I don't know, going Nice to imagine. I do think Ant Man actually does handles the comedy really well. Actually. Oh yeah, it's very, it's very um, entertaining. Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd is just like superbly yeah. charismatic. Yeah, and I think I actually think both films are very underrated, and it, both films handle that comedy balance quite well, from my perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of that, as you say, Christian, is down to Paul Rudd because he's very good at sort of being the sort of understated everyman, if that makes sense. So it feels very natural when like he says and does funny things, because it's like it kind of feels like us in that situation sometimes. Well, he's a comedy actor by trade, so he's got that like, comic timing down. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, Christian, what do you, th- you you were pushing us down the four part four path? I know you're not a big fan of of Ragnarok. What? Uh, let's let's know. Or me? Was he? No. Andrew, I said. Oh, Andrew. Oh, sorry, Andrew. I thought he was a mate. You said Christian, but yeah, I know what you mean. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, I... I I suppose it's just because, for me, it's the first time in the MCU where I think they get the... They they get the tone wrong. And I'm not sure if that's just because because it was so drastically different to Thor as in the first Thor film. Um, And also, I just don't think it fits with his character. Like Thor in the Avengers and in his own film is like the most serious, like not getting humor at all guy. Like everything goes over his head, which makes complete sense because he's in this different planet and or different realm, and he doesn't get things. And it goes from that to everything being like the complete other end where everything's funny, and and he kind of gets everything, and he kind of is part of that. So I I don't think it's necessarily a problem with having humour in the kind of superhero films I think it's just that particular choice was a strange one having said that Korg <laughs> is amazing played by Taika Waititi so uh, he has I the single greatest line film. in the history of the MCU he has the this single greatest line which is oh my god they have pulled you off it's just <laughs> oh it's just beautiful and my name is Korg I'm kind of leader around here <laughs> Yeah, so I pretty much would only watch that film just to see Korg again. <laughs> like I, and um, seeing him Endgame again was was good. But uh, yeah, I, I, I th- so I think that's that that's the issue is that well two issues one that they started off not in that idea with it'd be like if they had a serious Guardians or they had a funny Guardians film and then the second one was just straight mm-hmm. like it wouldn't 
it doesn't but, make sense yeah. to continue that character like that. And then it means, I know that I wanted to try and not talk about the latest ones yet, but because that's a whole heap of soup that we'll get into in a minute. But like, it means that when Thor gets to that kind of like Infinity War Endgame, they don't know how to play him because they either play him as like a serious character, which they kind of do slightly more in Infinity War. It, because he's meant to be like the serious dude that turns up and messes with everyone like in that moment but also then the next one he's like fat thor mm. yeah so anyway so we'll, we'll get that later but i so i think it just confuses the hell out of that character and that kind of that part of the mcu um he, he becomes sort of like self he, he, you're right i think you're completely right like he in the first avengers films and the first two Thor films he's sort of like the earnest sort of like rugby captain if you sort of know what yeah. I mean like like he's a serious guy yeah and he's just like incredibly earnest and sort of not that self-aware whereas he then suddenly becomes really like self-aware and aware of everything around him and like in on everything and it's yeah. like streetwise somehow because I, I thought and the I whole because think- I've certainly four one and the first Avengers but the whole gag was that he was like to sort of quote the sort of 80s slash 90s cheesy uh, film trailer kind of guy, he's a he's a fish out of water. Like, you know, he has no idea what's going on. And then suddenly he's like, yeah, I know everything. Yeah. I, I think they could have made it work. From, if they had him from the beginning and he had been that, I think it would have been fine. Mm. I, think it, I think it was the change in direction after at least two films. Is he another one before that? No, it's only two, isn't it? Um, that just is so different that yeah and I, and I, I just don't I don't know how much it's, of not liking Ragnarok and the Dark World is because of the comedy and how much just because I don't like the films and that's kind of like and I don't I don't spend enough time watching them to find that out because I don't is, find it is there funny. any com- is there any comedy in the Dark World well I don't think there's any comedy in there's the Loki, it's like, Loki's pretending to uh, be the other characters yeah and I, yeah, I just, yeah. It's like you said earlier. If it doesn't fit, if it, if you feel the comedy lines or don't fit with the character, you don't feel like that character would say them. Then it is quite hard to justify in your head. Like person, I, I think there are hints to that his kind of comedy, like his more light-hearted side when his interactions with the other Avengers. And I, in my head, it's he gets to that point in Ragnarok because he's kind of he's finally kind of formed bonds with comrades and he's kind of they. You know, worn him down a bit, it made him less serious and kind of, it's kind of a quite, it's quite a big jump still, but that's how I can that's my kind of head cannon, mm-hmm. so to speak um, well, I just, I just, I love, I love Ragnarok I just, just think it's just, I prefer, as a comedy as if we're talking comedy films, as a comedy film I prefer it to Guardians I just think it's absolutely hilarious Every I went back I went back and rewatched the first Guardians and I don't find it as funny as I did the first time round whereas I could just rewatch the Ragnarok but, again but that's but this quite, is my quite a lot of heresy going on here Christian yeah and, and, and for, for me I think that sort of raises a point in me is that I think Four Ragnarok is a, is a film a film of funny moments but not a comedy film I wouldn't say no I'm not even saying not, not so much that I'd, it, what I mean is it doesn't I don't remember plot I just remember like funny bits Mm-hmm. Whereas for me, Guardians is like every joke is in, woven into the plot. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Whereas I feel well, it's more like it's like yeah, it's probably I can, can see that why it's comedy. Bits, it's like Ragnarok. You have, like, have I just am, yeah, Jeff Goldblum turning up and being funny, being Jeff Goldblum, and you know, yeah, I can see what you mean. But like, but 
I, I was laughing a lot in the cinema, and then I came out, and the next morning I couldn't really remember any of the plot. All I remembered here was him and Hulk fighting, basically. I just find those bits more entertaining than the ones than, than Guardians. Personally. Just my personal opinion. Well, let, let's um, let's move on from Clear, this. Can't you say clearly, clearly, Christian isn't a pelvic sorcerer like we are, Andrew. <laughs> Fair enough. No, it's good. It's good to have a different. I, I, I wouldn't have thought that. So that's interesting. I'm um, intrigued. So then it could be even more interesting. When we talk about the last ones, and so I think are we all agreed that the kind of the 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 big cooking pot of all these different MCU films is going to be Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, so what? A fondue of, of it. a fondue of of things. So, how do you think, Christian, the tone of those films? Do you think it represents? Well, two questions. Do you think it represents the the previous films that those characters have been in? One, and do you think, secondly, that the tone works? Um, I think we've we've said in a previous episode that we all think Infinity War is the best of those team up films, haven't we? And I think correct. They just, I probably said at the time that the Russo brothers just, you can tell they just know the characters and they, they get, they do such a good job of blending the severity of the situation with, and also having the lighthearted moments. There was like, there's plenty of funny moments in, in Infinity War and they all pretty much hit home. They all... Like the bits when like Thor encounters the Guardians, and uh, when um, Dot Strange has his battle of uh, wits with um, Tony Stark, and then Tony Stark again with uh, Star Lord, and they just have this—they had such—they clearly knew how to write these characters and how they would interact, and they get this. this there are plenty, there are loads and loads of comedy moments which really hit home for me. So I think they, yeah, I think they really get the tone right in Infinity War. Um, in terms of Endgame, I can't. I can't actually remember. Is there any comedy moments in Endgame? Well, there are a lot of attempts, I think. Yeah, there are a lot of like there are a lot of a lot like of Fat Thor. Oh, I yeah, would say there's actually. Yeah. I would actually say if you did a sort of quip per minute thing, there are more in Endgame than Infinity War. The problem yeah. is that they're not nearly as memorable. Mm. And not nearly as natural. And not nearly as natural. I would. I think. I think. I think also that's exactly right. When you talk about quips, because I th- I, from from my mind, in both those films, there's a lot of like funny one line. It's like I remember Spider Man saying quite a few like random things. He said Dot Strange, Tony Drax, saying, of course. Like, funny things. Yeah, Drax. Yeah. Who is Gamora? But I don't think. Why is Gamora? I think that. I don't think there are funny moments. Mm-hmm. I think there are like odd funny lines that kind of make you chuckle. I think when you compare that to, in my mind at least, Guardians, which I'm putting up as like the kind of high end of comedy, um, there are like comedy moments in those films. I don't know if that's describing it very well. Um, and then I think I think basically yeah, when we when we get to um, Endgame, I think it just it gets the tone completely completely wrong in terms of the comedy, and it it it, it doesn't know when to. Dial it in. That's what I might link to what I said earlier that how they took that 
they tried to emulate those earlier films which got the balance right and they started to inject the comedy moments or the comedy one-liners into you know, scenes where it just doesn't belong. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like some just, of those, I, mean, I, I can't remember specifically what it was, but like there's, there's some like kind of obviously when they're going back in time and so you're kind of revisiting things from the past. There are some bits like obviously you see like Star-Lord dancing and that's funny. But I think, I think there's something to do with Thor and Rocket and they're like, it's quite a serious thing, isn't he? Like, just before his mum dies, isn't that roughly when they go back to? Mm. Mm. Yes. And it's just like, it doesn't, it just doesn't fit very well. And also because in Endgame, to me, the thing I remember is, obviously it happens in Infinity War as well, but they do it better. You're literally like moving on to each scene really quickly. Like you're following like seven different storylines, bam, 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 bam. So they're almost like in every scene, we need to tick like three, three boxes. We need to let the audience know what's happening you need to do something like serious and do something funny mm. and so every scene you have something serious something funny something like y- you don't get you don't get any sort of like reprieve from that kind of ongoing um pushing of jokes into the scene it also doesn't let the emotion breathe yeah absolutely. so you don't have time Christmas thing, don't yeah it? you don't have time to ruminate on that emotion so i think it just ends up undervaluing and underplaying the yeah. stakes of it all well, it can't. It's it's like all. It can't be that bad. It can't be that hard because they got time to joke about it, kind of thing. Yeah. And I don't think you rationalise it like that at the time. But I think deep down there's some element of that. And I feel, I think there's a sort of adage in comedy. It's a bit similar similar to the idea about how uh, the longer the joke, the more the, the the bigger the payoff has got to be. And I feel like if you're if you're playing a joke against a sort of emotion, then the bigger the joke, the bigger the emotion the bigger the joke has got to be. So my view yep. would be, rather than having these sort of like one-off quips constantly, have like fewer big comedy moments. So you have bigger yep. payoffs. Um, so you let the emotion breathe, but then you also have these big comedic payoffs, which do the same thing of let, letting, you know, uh, uh, yeah, you know, giving a bit of lightness to it, a bit of levity. But without it sort of constantly sort of drumming drumming it. Yeah. Totally agree. And my my other example of that that isn't MCU is which I already talked about before in a different episode, is that scene in Stranger Things in season three mm. where you, at that point I don't think you could ha- have any more emotion and tenseness if <laughs> use a rubbish word. Um of the situation tension. could you like is is tension. There you go. That's why yeah. That's why you're right, Christian, I'm not. Um, yeah like so much tension so much like your mind isn't even on are they going to make a joke because it's so not there and then Mm. the the joke is just equally as like ridiculous in the other way that it kind of it works Works. um which is absolutely insane that it works you Um, can you can cut the you can cut this out if you want andrew but a great example of this for me, is Only Fools and Horses. How brilliantly, well, the success of it is the way it does emotion mm. and does it so even-handedly. Like, like, for me, the biggest example is when, like, Damien's born and yet there's still jokes in it, but it's still in a really heavy emotional moment. And there's whole yeah. thi- whole articles about how people were completely bawling when he's born. Like, literally, like, middle-aged people, men, were just in floods of tears watching it yeah and yet there's and yet you can laugh as well and so i think that maybe that maybe also comes onto a 
a different point in that I wonder how much of this is and our different tastes like we always talked about night Christian and I have quite different tastes in terms of the way that Guardians has done for example um, and Thor comes from our kind of early experiences of comedy and not necessarily in geeky situations well it's not going to say just made me feel like feel, I think there that's uh, people boring their eyes out to watching only Thor's and Horses you, you know on paper you would never imagine that but I think you need you can't have one without the other I think I think there always needs to be to have the full experience of a, a drama because it's like we were saying the other week about good characters we need characters need to be multifaceted and so does life so does the general plot of any kind of story because everyone's story everyone's life is has is filled with drama and it's always filled with comedy moments and if you don't I think in most cases not all cases there are obviously dramas that are totally serious have no you know levity whatsoever and still work but I think you can got me crying and it just shows that that having that combination of comedy with you know good characterization that makes you bond and empathize with the characters then that's that's what you should you know most things should strive for so to have a that's that's why you have in like any t any any tv series any film nowadays there's always a comedy character there's always someone to bring some joy to a scene or to a story in general that's it's very rare that you'd find something without a comedy character nowadays because you always but feel it, like not 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 always to the uh, to the success it's sometimes to the de detriment but nevertheless it's that and, and actually I have a bit of a problem with that because I see this a lot in in TV shows and films where characters for me are quite two-dimensional so you will have a character who is like uh, a comedic character and then you have everyone else is just like the straight men or straight characters whereas my view is that everyone is funny in their own way right we're all idiots we're all pompous we all do silly things there's not a single person on this planet who's not done a stupid thing or said something stupid we all have the potential to be funny knowingly or unknowingly um and so i don't think you need a funny character and a straight character to create comedy in a script and i feel mm. you have an increasing amount of laziness in writing i feel of having straight characters and funny characters and for me it's quite two-dimensional mm. you have a character whose entire you have a lot of this in films and tv whose basically entire role is just to be comedic, comedic relief um and I, I really don't like that and again i like my writing i was i try and get three-dimensional characters and they're all flawed in some way and i try and somehow kind of get a bit of, every so often a bit of comedy from all of them from whether it's something stupid they've said but that completely fits in their mm -hmm. character or something stupid they've done that completely fits in their character it's like Andrew said about it's 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 a it's almost become a tick box exercise that it's um you know in later Marvel films the tick box is there has to be a comedy moment in every, every scene and likewise and kind of the tick box is right we need some kind of comedy in it that's just put a comedy character Mm. Whereas it can be with good writing, it can be you don't have to create a sim, you know, an, a character who's purely the comedy, you know, mm. comedy side of things. You can weave it into the dialogue for the other characters. Because like you say, we're all capable of 
bring laughter and joy into to other people's lives. So yeah, it's that's the mark of a good writer. It's like why I suppose it's why you know Jar Jar Binks, for example, is so derided because he's there for no, no other purpose than you know a comedy character or you know inverted commas comedy character. But I still love him. I still love him, but. But he's not. He's not there. He doesn't serve much of a purpose other than trying to be the funny side of things. And yeah, obviously that's to the detriment in most people's eyes of those prequels. I think. I think it's interesting talking about Star Wars because I think there's a few different categories of kind of humor in Star Wars, and the, the mm-hmm. one I think is the best. Actually, quite often I think comes from Obi Wan. And especially in the Clone Wars TV show. So what I'd say there's a difference between like explicit and implicit comedy. So explicit comedy being someone just saying like a funny joke that you're going to laugh at because it's funny. Whereas implicit comedy being more like Obi-Wan quite often says things. I don't know. Anakin does something stupid and he'll say, so he'll say something that basically is what the audience is already thinking. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you've got us in trouble again, Anakin. Like, that's a really stupid example. But do you know what I mean? Like, he's... Yeah. It's, it's the something sa- that The sass is strong in uh, Obi-Wan, Clone Wars Obi-Wan. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it's just, it's not something that's overtly funny, but it's kind of, it's kind of just getting into the minds of what the actual, what the audience are actually thinking mm-hmm. and basically just like talking that, talking that kind of narrative. And then that in itself is funny because you obviously then reflect, he's just reflecting what you're already, already thinking. Um, so I think that's something that's done particularly well in Star Wars and I'm going to really, really, really keep the sequel stuff to an absolute minimum because I know next week we've got a whole six-hour special coming up. <laughs> Tune in next week, folks, talking about the sequels. Um, but my one example in the sequels that I think kind of exemplifies everything that's wrong with comedy in Star Wars and in general in modern films is the opening scene with Poe and Kylo Ren. Where you've got this really serious scene. No, I mean, Christian's about to explode. Poe, I mean, Poe and, um, it's uh, what, Hux, not Kyloran. No, it's Kyloran. In the, the last very Jedi. Scene, oh, we, oh no, sorry, from, sorry, I thought I was Force thinking. Awakens. I was automatically thinking of Last Jedi, sorry. Well, the, that is also an equally funny. So I'm so sorry, Christian. You have, <laughs> do you need some kind of medical help? Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> all good, all good for now. <laughs> good. So, phew, wipe that sweat off your brow, it's going to be okay. Um, so yeah, that is also a very good example, a similar example. But in my mind, the one in the Force Awakens, um, so it's when kind of Kylo Ren is he's caught that, he's caught that blaster fire. Everything's been quite serious up to that point. People are dying, like it's not going well. They bring Poe to him, and he completely breaks like the tension. I wouldn't say he breaks the fourth wall, but he does that thing where he's like, "Do you talk? Do I talk?" Kind of yeah. like, not he's not breaking the fourth wall, but it's like breaking the reality of the film. That makes sense. But you wouldn't be. It's just no matter how kind of buoyant a character you are in that situation where they've he's just murdered an old man. I don't think you would you would not say that. You would not be like, uh, do I talk first? Do I? Do? And you just imagine it's just it's like it's, it's probably potentially a result of the MCU and what kind of has become kind of the blockbuster formula. So you just imagine if in that opening scene in A New Hope, as Darth Vader walks onto the Tantive Four after <laughs> the just whether one of the injured soldiers on the floor had made some sort of quippy joke to Darth Vader. So 
<laughs> when he's being choked. Yeah, exactly. Just just yeah. imagine if that had happened. Just, he's got a bit tighter. It's just ridiculous. And it is... At the time, I thought it was... You know, I'm sure I thought it was quite funny, but, yeah, in hindsight, it's it just completely undermines that. And just that character as well, because they were sure they're trying to make a character as... Well, initially, anyway, as terrifying as Darth Vader. I mean, he stops a bolt, you know, a laser bolt in midair, which we've never seen before. I mean, he's, he's like, at that point, just like, oh my god, this guy's perhaps stronger than Darth Vader. And then we have that moment where he says that line, and it just, like I say, just completely undermines the tension. And I think, Christian, you're just talking about it being funny. Like, I, th- I think I laughed when I heard that. Mm. I, I think it's. There's a difference between something being funny and something being funny in the context of the f- and, and like supporting the story. Mm-hmm. Because I remember thinking it was funny, but then also in my mind, it's like, well, it just completely breaks that, like my belief in the film at that point already. Um, then you move on to when you to... compare it to the kind of the the kind of characters in Rogue One who are basically doing the same kind of job in that they are the resistance of the re- rebellion, the kind of the the anti mm-hmm. dark side, as it were, the good side, if you will. <laughs> um, who are like, yeah, none of them would have made like they're, they're actually acting like how people would do if they were literally fighting for their lives every day, fighting mm. for other people's lives against this like monster. There's comedy um, moments in that, like the first half of the film, when the tension, when the stakes aren't quite as high, but then you get to, it knows that when you get to that final, the climax of the film, when they are fighting to get those plans, but I can't remember, I don't think there's no, there's no comedy. No. Like I and like I said, yeah. Like I said, when as the stakes get higher, the payoff has to get higher. And then it's completely under. That's a case of a different writer coming in because in the Force Awakens you had Hux who came across as quite deranged and quite a weirdly terrifying character, and then his opening scene in <clears throat> Last Jedi, yeah. he gets he gets done by a your mum joke. Yeah. Hux is probably the most the saddest anyway we won't go on to the saddest yeah Char- character destruction oh, in the whole thing yeah, like, anyway, one of the best. let's not one let's not go too far down that well, because we mentioned um, another comedy, comedy moment one of the you know superb comedy moment is when you think there is a ship landing and it turns out to be an iron on a shirt that is ah oh, that's just comedy gold that was absolute comedy gold mm-hmm. or when a Porg looks up at Chewbacca and he's cookies got it on a skewer and he looks all cute. Oh my god, that's just so funny and hilarious. <sighs> all, 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 all those moments, especially in, in Star Wars and the sequels that are like that, are almost they almost feel like they're to they're to put everyone at ease that's not like a hardcore fan. Like all the kind of the the regulars that are going in to watch it. It's almost like they want to put you at ease, like in the first couple minutes, like, don't worry, it's not gonna be that this serious the whole time. Do you know what I mean? Like is that like it's both, also both like, the... yeah. It's also like, don't worry. We're also the guys that make Marvel films. Yes. Yeah. Um, and and it's so interesting that <clears throat> it works in or at least in my view, it works in. Well, we all, I think we all said about like the beginning of Guardians, the first film. It works there mm-hmm. because it's setting up what Guardians is going to be about the entire film, and basically the same concept done worse <laughs> doesn't work in in those opening Star Wars films. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just know another interesting kind of example of where in Star Wars of something doesn't work quite as well. But it's it's possible to have, there are moments in Star Wars that are good comedy, well, in my 
opinion. One that I mean, it's usually C three PO and R two D two, and then I mean, you mentioned Rogue One. Like K two S O is an absolute comedy goldmine, and all the jokes that he utters are ones that just stick with stick stick the landing. Um, I just remember <laughs> the I'm just I'm bringing I'm having memories of um, C three PO and Attack of the Clones when uh, R two's putting him back together in the in the um, arena in Geonosis. And he, uh, his head's getting dragged along by R two, and he just goes, oh, "This is such a drag." And then yeah. he, when he gets when he when he gets next to um, when he brings the head next to his body, and he goes, "Oh, I'm quite beside myself." All of those, all of those lines, those those droid lines, whoever it is, K two S O, T three P O, they're all again make complete sense for that character. If any other character said that that line, it would be rubbish. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like if if um, if Cassian came in and said that you are being well, congratulations, you're being rescued. Line that would have worked. I don't think it work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean, as an example of like, yeah, yeah, this works um, for our case also because he's just being he's literally he's stating the facts but saying it in a way that just comes across as comedic, and that's what a droid does. It just states exactly yeah. what it's doing. And and even the non-talking characters and stuff was like. R2D2 and Chewbacca still managed to kind of pull off funny moments. Mm-hmm. Again, it's not all just about the the kind of the actual lines of what they're, they're saying that's funny. It's the it's the way that the scene is set up, the way the kind of scene is written, and the way it's visually deployed that make it funny. Yeah, um, not just the not just the kind of one lines. I'm going to add in another dimension very quickly, just because I have to get it in music quite often. That's a that's a comedy element to to um Well if you put the Benny Hill theme tune across any scene it makes it hilarious. Well again, yeah, so you have you have that kind of like more overt like hilarious comedy, like when Christian made that masterpiece with the um with pigeon, the pigeons. Pigeons. <laughs> I was literally gonna mention that. <laughs> Which was really funny. But you also have like scenes in films where they just use as a lot of times in like a specific example. Let me think of a specific example. Um, Spider-Man. The was it? Which one is it? The one with James Garfield one, with uh, Stan Lee, and he's in the music room, and he's got his headphones on. I think he's fighting lizard. Lizard. So it must be Spider-Man Ultimate Spider-Man one. Mm-hmm. And he's in the music room, and Stan Lee's got classical. Listen to classical music, and you've got these Spider-Man and Lizard fighting in the music. Yeah, room. in the background. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so you have. It works have, perfectly. Yeah, yeah. So you have you have that kind of thing where it's like, yeah, yeah, because obviously music can very quickly take you somewhere. But even even just like, and I need to think of some actual examples when I do my music episode. But like, <laughs> musically funny things to do, whether it's just like doing something really dramatic that leads up to something and then there's just like nothing happens whether it's a bit like our trailer really um, <laughs> or whether it's like again like our trailer having something really hilarious not hilariously like over dramatic for the content you're actually like my sex mix um, as well yeah sexual That's healing pretty comedic the music's over overvaluing the the performance yeah. that's been put in mm-hmm <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I, I apologise for not having specific examples to actually draw upon, but 
there are plenty of examples in films where I get a good chuckle from the thing. Put my nod to the composer in. Well played, sir. So we've had a look at films and from the heyday of Ghostbusters to the masterpiece potentially, of the films. <laughs> potentially iffy status in now with the the, the uh, template from the MCU being uh, potentially a bit uh, overused or just done badly um, so T, how about TV TV shows geeky TV shows that use comedy or just purely our comedy like where does that where are these where do they do that well I'll kick off. If we go kind of kind of chronologically. I'll kick off with um, the earliest known one that I know about or have watched is Red Dwarf, and that's still highly lauded as a sci-fi comedy TV show. It's very low budget, kind of very British. I'm not sure how well it's ever done across the pond if it's ever got a foothold there, but it's yeah, it's quintessentially British, quintessentially British, with um, Liverpudlian as the uh, as the main character and oh brilliant cast just um is it Chris Barry um oh, I need to get the get the cast up quickly because give them credit where credit's due Danny John Jules as the cat um I think it's Robert Llewellyn as Crichton and of course um God, how am I forgetting the name of the main guy Craig Charles, of course it's bloody Craig Charles. Bloody Robot Wars, I forget Craig Charles. Another way I knew that, but I wanted to watch you squirm. <laughs> but it's, um... It's one thing about, I love about Red Dwarf is its, its creativity and its storylines. They're just unlike anything else that I've ever watched, and they're very inventive with the plots that they come up with. And I think one thing they set out from the creators, um, Rob Grant and Doug Naylor, is they were never going to have any extraterrestrial life in the Red Dwarf universe. And so they're constantly, when, if they ever encounter other life forms, it has to be in this inventive way that they're, you know, droids or they're um, genetically modified life forms or something of the sort. And in doing that, they're just able to create such a cacophony of different weird creatures and different weird storylines about squids that, like, give off this, this ink that induce despair in people or these weird creature that sucks out your traits and leaves you with your most negative traits intact um, it's just, just I don't know if you, either of you ever watched much Red Dwarf but I only got into it a few years a couple of years ago a few three four years ago because um, I'd heard so much about it and it is just although it's not necessarily laugh out loud funny a lot of the time it's kind of quite it just makes you giggle a lot of the time but it's just it's it's um i i enjoy hearing you giggle christian <laughs> <laughs> it's just um i think just i think even more than the comedy value i think it's just it's it is the sci-fi element of it that is it's more beloved by by geeks because it is just as i said it's just so unlike anything else I can think of it's just so inventive and creative with its storylines and its creatures and the cast of characters are just they've got such a great dynamic no matter they haven't like changed for like 30 years 
40 years probably now, getting on for 40 years. Um, yeah, that's that's the template. That's the um, my earliest comedy, chronologically the earliest comedy that I've uh, watched. I should just just so I just point points out as a disclaimer to last week's episode, which I realised afterwards, mentioning um, simulants and androids and stuff. Is when I was talking about Blade Runner, I was referring to them the replicants as androids, and they're not androids; they're replicants. They're not droids. I should decide to point that out because otherwise I have to draw my geek card. They're replicants. They're not droids. So. Little disclaimer. Don't worry, listeners. We've 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 withdrawn his wages for this week to account for them. <laughs> we have batted away thousands upon thousands of complaints. Christian yeah. has spent the week considering his future, flaying myself. Um, yeah, he's written Real several marriage. apology letters and resignation letters. Um, I was I was listening to myself back, and I was thinking, how the hell did I get it wrong? It's my favourite film ever. Why did I get it wrong? Well, just wanted to clarify for the record. Was it was this from two weeks ago, Christian? Because last week it was Batman. Two weeks ago, yes, yes, that's right. I should have clarified. So another area you need to correct for next week. <laughs> Soz. I think we'll forgive you, Christian. Mm-hmm. Cool to you. I mean, Johnny did earlier call you, call me Christian. So. Oh yeah, he did. So hey, yeah, you guys, what's your experiences of comedy in geeky TV? I would say probably my first experience, it's sort of perhaps the other way around, is geeky and comedy. Is is probably like Treehouse of Horror episodes of The Simpsons, um, and uh, and that, but which in itself sort of opens the way for open the way for like Futurama, which which I sort of liked at the time, but I will I never really got massively into it, and then I rewatched it a couple of years back, and I absolutely loved it. I was absolutely hooked. Um, and I really like Futurama. It's such a shame that it didn't continue. I know, I know it came back, but it, it didn't. Never got the same popularity time. as uh, Simpsons. It never quite reached no, the heights. No, because it didn't quite have the sort of crossover, sort of commercial success. Mm. But I, yeah, really, I really liked Futurama, and I really liked Rick and Morty as well. Um, obviously, Rick and Morty is a lot darker. Um, but has some, yeah, really great... The way it plays with some of the sort of sci-fi elements I find quite cool. Um, and it is quite funny. So, yeah, I'm a big big, big fan of both Futurama and, and Rick and Morty. Andrew. So, my my answer to that question would be uh, things I've already kind of already touched on a few times. So, um, harking back to something I said last week, the Lego Batman movie... Not a TV show, but like a, a a good example of um, comedy and geekdom, which kind of leads on to the next thing. And it's it's something where they're kind of just casually taking the piss out of the the tropes of that of that genre or that of that of that topic. Um, I think Family Guy do a very good job as well of with the specific Star Wars episodes and the other nerdy references they include, just taking the mick out of um, again of that topic in a in a in a nice way but again just what everyone's already thinking and then i've also talked earlier a little bit about stranger things that that's final scene which i keep talking about a lot in basically every episode is like the epitome of that but they do do a really good job of interweaving humor and comedy into the other like throughout all three seasons particularly in the same like first and second season um 
actually no, I didn't third. I think it's pretty cool. Um, and again, like every character has their own kind of style of comedy that they interweave in. Um, there's a lot of comedy moments rather than comedy lines. Um, and and then that line that the the, the 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 one I keep referring to is a comedy moment rather than the. Mm comedy line Krishna Rishi could just watch this thing so we could I could we will, I will at some point we'll schedule it in it's so damn good over the summer maybe yeah and then when we get to the October Halloween special we'll talk about strange things and mm-hmm. and alien no. and alien that's and horror films one of the reasons I liked it is because you basically have a TV show about some freaks and they're all dumb and stupid and funny in their own ways and it just works really well they get the tone perfect so it's another good example similar to strange things I guess yeah unsurprisingly you won't be definitely won't be uh, shocked to hear that I think the Arrowverse does a pretty shocking job of including sort of humour in in any way Um, but uh, yeah there's a I'd say the the only places where really that humour even comes into it when it's done particularly poorly is in Supergirl Supergirl Um, Supergirl. Supergirl. Um, Ugly Betty. Johnny always talks Ugly about Betty, it as being like a Gossip example. Girl episode. I think that's pretty spot I've on. never watched Gossip Girl. Ugly so Betty. Sorry, not Gossip Girl. <laughs> Ugly Betty. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Ugly Betty. Sorry, I'll I, I start that from the record. I'm just talking about um, taking like kind of things that take the mickey out of... Um, other more serious things. Um, you mentioned the Family Guy Star Wars, so there's also Star Wars Robot Chicken, which is again doesn't do it horror. Doesn't all the best, all the best kind of Mickey take comedy Mickey takes the ones that do it lovingly. I think Robot Chicken, I actually prefer to the Family Guy ones because they're just so creative with the little clips they do. Oh, and obviously, it's stop stop animation with action figures, and it's just brilliant. Um, just linking into that, that another was mentioned during the film film segment is that Galaxy Quest I didn't mention Galaxy Quest, which is another film, which is beloved by geeks and is basically just a Mickey take of Star Trek, but it's just done in such a just well written and it's well written. It's very uh, comedy value is high and it's also just a really fun space adventure, and it has you can just tell that it's how well it's thought of just probably maybe reading from reading the script it has just such a stellar cast from Sigourney Weaver to uh, Alan Rickman to um, Tim Allen just as an absolutely brilliant cast well, no, on, I watched on, on that, I need to watch that again another example for me is, in the 90s particularly is the uh, Kevin Smith films um, with like Jay and Silent Bob who are effectively um Sort of alternative comedy that effectively popularized sort of comic book fans and stuff like that if that makes sense because it was basically films for for yeah mm. by comic book nerds for comic book nerds if that makes sense and i guess the most mainstream of those films so the 90s was was dogma um which also has alan rickman in it um which is again quite a good sort of uh where is it is a fun, uh, hilarious sort of End of the world uh, comedy, starring Affleck and Damon as fallen angels, um, uh, and Alan Rickman also as an angel. 
Um, <laughs> and Chris Rock is St. Peter. Interesting. Never heard of that. I'm going to take also, us up on final diversion quickly. Johnny Curran. I was just say it also got Sam, Sam Hayek in it, so all win. I didn't need to. I didn't need to let you have that one. Um, it's going to take us on a quick diversion before we start to close out the podcast into away from visual, um, kind of like TV and film things into into um, like in my mind, there's there's some some of the best comedy moments. Uh, I can think of in within kind of geeky spheres are in comics. Um, and I'm, I'm imagining also there's probably, because I mean, Christian reads a hell of a lot more books than I do. Um, imagine there's some, some pretty stellar writing and cause obviously like writing is pretty paramount in those, maybe more so than in visual mm-hmm. mediums. Um, current books. Maybe yeah. I wonder if you had any specific examples, Christian, of, of, of things in, in, in fiction books that you, you found particularly funny or you thought of uh, they've got the tone right? Um, I just mentioned this, the current book. I think I mentioned a couple of episodes ago that I was reading an Ian Banks book. I uh, looked at Winwood, one of the culture novels, and he's just, as a Scottish writer, he, just, he has wit down. He just has it. It's just there, present. Whether he tries hard to get it in there or not, it's just there. He just there's moments of brilliant bit of Scottish wit, um, and there's just this reads this book I'm reading at the moment. Looks at women. It's plot wise, not a whole lot happens. It's vast majority of say, scenes. Did you say Little Women? No, not a whole lot happens. No okay. Little Women. I thought you said but, you were reading Little Women. No. Look to Windward. And just the vast majority of the scenes are purely dialogue. And there's this one character called Zilla, who's... He just has these uh, moments of sheer wit, and they're just done so cleverly that I was just cracking up, just sitting on the balcony reading, and I was cracking up reading it. Just these sarcastic tone that he gets across. I think that's the key thing... When you're writing, it's getting you to imagine how it's being said, how like a bit of dialogue's being said, without explicitly stating it. Like, you know, X, Y, and Z is said. He said in a funny tone. Like the best writers can express, can get across how a bit of dialogue is being said, without then kind of describing how it's said afterwards. And I think that's just yeah, you know, it's the way it's done in writing, and it's, it's to be able to get that across is again getting the balance right between serious and comedy in in film and TV. At the same time, when you're writing a novel, to be able to can I'm I wish I could get more comedy into my my writing because I think I have to, it's something I really struggle with. But when it's just done so flawlessly and seemingly effortless, effortless, effortless I can't even speak effortlessly. That's uh, again. That's just a great skill to have. I don't say if you do you see much in comic books then, because you you read more comic books than I do. I would say for me, it's more about the. I mean, there are some really great moments. I'd say it's more about like, like comedy supporting things like Guardians, like 
comedy, when used right, can just help set the tone of a book really quickly. Um, I think a specific example. I mean, there are some great, like, slightly more out there Batman. Maybe some like dark humor kind of elements um, mm-hmm. that that set the tone. Really, I mean, Killing Joke is. Wouldn't even say necessarily it's comedy, but it's like yeah, dark humor. Obviously, in the context of Joker, is is pretty kind of paramount. Um, and it sets it set, sets you straight into that mood and that tone. Sure, so yeah, I'd say that comedy probably its best its best use in the comic books I like is as a as a way to set that set that mood and set that tone and support the support the characters and support the story, rather than the specific one line, kind of one line. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I I would agree. I think sort of marrying those two things to have sort of Scottish wit. I think one of the comic book writers that does it the best traditionally in my view is is Grant Morrison um and he was a completely crazy out there dark mind and yet perhaps because of his Scottishness can be very dry with sort of humor and and just in the way he sets things up and his uh original run Doom Patrol from the 80s is very very good on that that's partly how I partly how I got into it um having watched a little bit of the TV series because it's just really funny in the way it sets these things up and it isn't there's a few funny lines but as Andrew is sort of referencing it's more about it's mostly just about situations and sort of set up as opposed to sort of throwaway lines um, so yeah definitely don't, there is there are some great examples in comics but also there's bad examples like we're talking about films there are examples clearly where she's been inserted mm-hmm. a, um, uh, deliberately funny line has been inserted and you're like mm, that's a bit cheap but it's a tr- I think it's definitely trickier in written format because so much of a comedy line in a film or a TV show can be in the delivery and you just can't it's difficult to convey that like I said it's diff- yeah. if you're able to convey that somehow in the way that you've written that piece of dialogue then it can really hit it can hit home it can i think it's a lot more obvious it's a lot more obvious in written written word when it's sort of processed when it's sort of just artificially inserted yeah it becomes Mm -hmm. a lot more obvious yeah the the moment itself again has got to be funny hasn't it Mm -hmm. like rather than the lines yeah as if you're a really good comedy actor in you know in a film you might have a really shitty comedy line but if you if you've got great comic timing, you can kind of potentially save it, but yeah, it's, that's not the case when it comes to yeah. written format. But only writing is key, as always. Mm-hmm. You're not so, biased towards yeah, writing, but we're like, you know, got. <laughs> we just love writing. I don't think we're biased towards writing or music, really. I think we 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 love the craft of acting just as much as the next mm. person. But, but obviously, just things that are more important, aren't they, Christian? Mm-hmm. So. Um, I think we've done a pretty good, a pretty good slog at, at uh, talking about comedy and geekdom. And uh, I don't know if there's anything else you two wants to add specifically, specifically on to anything we've said tonight. I briefly wanted to vent. I had written down about a couple of the live-action TV shows in the form of Stargate and Farscape, 
which I think kind of almost set the trend of comedy in high stakes sci-fi situations almost I was saying before the podcast that I can see a lot of if you watch Stargate, Jack O'Neill his, his dry wit and his sarcastic comments in these galactic spanning situations like th- threats of, from alien, alien empires he has these brilliant comedy moments that it always, always some emulate or kind of very similar to ones that we now see in the MCU and in other um, other blockbuster films and other other geeky films. So I think it's it's an art that's has not just you know, just been brought back by the MCU. It's not one that's been created from scratch. It's been there for many many years. And I always want to mention Farscape, which is as main characters fish out of water elements to the comedy <laughs> of a human on the far side of the galaxy um, a fish out of water having uh, yeah having <clears throat> that's just a, another again another example of a wacky would be like Red Dwarf just a really wacky imaginative sci-fi but just with some great comedy moments like he has this um, image in his head of uh, his nemesis this copy of this his nemesis consciousness in his head and they relive in the, in the, in the, his brain, he relives moments from films, like from his childhood. Because obviously, and he has this alien who has no no idea what it's about. Inserted into these situations, it's just don't know what I'm really what point I'm trying to make here. But maybe I'm just saying that it's just comedy and um, sci-fi and fantasy are just ripe breeding grounds for really imaginative ways of bringing comedy into the mix. Yeah. It maybe has to be more more imaginative, doesn't it, to kind of make it work? Yeah. Than than something that's just just a straight comedy. Because you still also got to convey the actual story mm-hmm. alongside it. Yeah, that's really good. I think we've had a good a good hash at that. So, um, what are we talk about next week, guys? What's the what's the plan going forward? I can't think what we're talking about next week. Can't possibly oh think. Oh boy. Yeah, Andrew, what have we let ourselves in t- in for? Well, special six hour long episode. I think it's going to be glorious. I think that Christian's going to have a lot of a a lot to say. I think it's going to help him emotionally to to release all that all that built up anger. I, hope, I just hope he gets enough of it out in the time we have available. I hope so. I've been wanting to do this for so long. Some... I, I hope we've got a beep buzzer like ready and available, and some kind of medication in case it gets all a bit too too much any of us right? I'll have some booze on hands to calm me down or it yeah. might be worse who knows yeah. I can't really mispronounce John Williams though so have we actually said what, what we're uh, talking about oh yeah sorry it's the well, implication the, uh, I think I kind of mentioned it earlier didn't the it? implication um, the implication so the Star Wars sequel films which are anyone that isn't aware is the 7th 8th and 9th film of the Star Wars Skywalker saga, starting ourselves off with The Force Awakens, then going on to Rise of Skywalker. The Last Jedi, spoilers, <laughs> and then finishing this off with The Rise of Skywalker, the most recent film. So, um, I mean, we all have we all have varying views on these things, and Christian has more varied views than the rest of us. He just has more views. More, more extreme. More, more views. views. Yeah, more views. Yeah. So, um, I, I've I've got something in mind that I'm going to kick us off with next week that I think might just make Christian actually explode so um, 
And Stay tuned. Last Jedi's best film. And I'm going to write a quiz for you two. Ooh. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Star Wars quiz. Sweet. But only a sequel, yeah? We'll see. Hmm. We'll see. Okay, cool. Well, um, yeah, so that's that's what we're looking forward to next week. So I hope you've had a good a good time chilling out with us this evening. It's kind of a very leisurely and laid-back, lo-fi episode. Again, apologies to that mistake Christian made two weeks ago, but... <laughs> I mean, that's that's the that's the danger of a live show, really, isn't it? If you're as offended as I was by that by that, you probably stopped listening at this point. So, yeah, I don't Seb listens anymore, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, Not until his guest star, anyway. So, until next week, stay safe, stay dangerous, stay nerdy. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs>